Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Adam White and Rich Allen. Have you ever been to a party that slowly dies down to the point where you were desperate to leave but can't go? Welcome to Paris Saint-Germain's world. But before that and the league uh, weekend ahead, here are the latest headlines. Paris Saint-Germain will wait another weekend at least to wrap up the league title as an understrength side lost 3-2 away to Nantes in midweek. Daniel Alves scored in both goals as Le Canary all but secured their own safety this season, while PSG are hopeful that Neymar will be back for their potential coronation at home to Monaco at the weekend. Elsewhere, LFP President Natalie Boyd de la Tour confirmed that Liga will help with a financial contribution to help rebuild the Notre Dame in Paris. PSG will also help raise funds with a special crest on their shirt to be worn this weekend after the famous cathedral suffered significant fire damage on Monday night. That is all for now, but to keep up with all the latest in the world of football, French football, uh, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week where else but with that midweek defeat to not 3 2 for Paris Saint Germain. And Adam, after the, the weekend's game against Lille, where they were somewhat humiliated, you may say, despite having a number of injuries, we, we had an extra potential one with this not game with, with Mbappe missing out. But regardless of that, against the side that admittedly got a win against Leon this season hasn't exactly pulled up trees but yet again uh, PSG laid a little bit of an egg they did it was uh it was bizarre I've had this whole sort of period of 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 sort of last three games where it's sort of classic PSG you know they're given although the league has been won in in recent years relatively obviously very comfortably in in some regards relatively comfortably in others less so in in 2017 of course um but it, it feels like the the classic Paris Saint-Germain sort of <clears throat> sort of instance where they're given something to win or something to to achieve and and they 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 sort of very, they proved to be very brittle and it's happened three times in a row you know they've had three chances had three match points to win league in and in each occasion they've they've looked nervous and they've looked unsure and they've looked like they're 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 gettable you know they're beatable um considering they won the previous what 26 or 29 20 30 games maybe very very comfortably you know overall it's been a bit of a walk really for them this season it it, it perhaps plays into the that the, the mental aspect that we often talk about on the pod after you know champions league exits is is perhaps permeating other areas of their season and is even more of an issue um than than it than it perhaps was before after that manchester united defeat and it just feels like these are three more instances when they've they've kind of crumbled I think there are a lot of caveats to that that statement, though. You know, the, the amount of injuries they've had. You know, the team they could have put out um, against Nantes at the, on in in the week would be would you know would be the, pretty much their first eleven, maybe Draxler aside. So you know, and Burnout getting sent off last week. But yeah, they 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 really did put in a couple of terrible performances defensively, looking so weak. Kimbe and Kerr in particular have been awful. So. Yeah, it's, it shows that there are what Thomas Tucker has been talking about. There are still many holes in this squad, and and it's it's come back to haunt them this week. Yeah, and that's the I suppose the funny thing about the whole of this is it, it was probably a bit of a statement from Tuchel, despite all the injuries, that he still is only having around about five subs on his on his bench, Rich. But he, at the same time, he's got 
World Cup winner Gianluigi Buffon in net, double-time Champions League winner Dani Alves in defence, two defenders that have got international quality, uh, leaving Cazorla that cost him a fair bit of money, uh, 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 January signing sorry in in Leonardo Paredes, Julian Draxler, still a top-quality player, a lot of clubs are looking at Christopher Nkunku. Um, It's not exactly an understrength side, and a side uh, that... Still, a number of players not would very much like to have in their starting lineup. So it's a sort of double-edged sword that yes, they have got a lot of injuries, but at the same time, they still have the quality to get something at, at no, and they they fail to do so. Yeah, I don't. You, it's 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 difficult to say because yes, that you look at the as Adam said, you look at the eleven that could have been put out, the eleven that that missed the game, and and yeah, of course, this team is 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 inferior to that, but. As you say, there is significantly enough quality there that they should be beating Nantes. Nantes have got not a lot to play for. They're 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 pretty much guaranteed safety. Um, there's there's not a lot to play for there. Um, there. There's no way PSG should have been losing this game. You know, you can make allowances for the Lille defeat because of you know how well Lille have played this season. The fact that PSG went down to ten men in the first half, but. I think Tuchel said it after the game. You know, he's he's been able to defend his team at times. There's no defending this this performance. You know, not not one player, certainly at a senior level, um, came out of that with an ounce of credit. Um, you know, those those senior players that you really do expect to to put in a performance of of maturity, of of a certain level. Failed miserably. You know, Buffon went walkabout too many times. Kimpembe, as you say, looked looked dreadful. Um, and and you know, I, I have my concerns about Kimpembe that 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 maybe he's allowing that sort of glitz and glamour within that team to distract him from from his game because it's not really been the season of progression many of us hoped it would be. Um, but you you know, he's not the only one. There are plenty of players that you can look throughout that squad. You know, they spent. Was it forty-seven million, something like that, on on Paredes? And and I'll be perfectly honest, since he's come in in January, he's looked pretty poor. It's probably going to be the kindest way. Um, so it's 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 been a dis- it's pretty disastrous week, if I'm perfectly honest. I don't think I've, I've I've I tweeted out. I don't think it reflects well on Tuchel. I don't think it re- reflects well on on the squad, and I don't think it reflects well on the club. Um, that that. A, they allowed themselves to get into this situation. You know, we've we've screamed about it, you know, podcast after podcast, that PSG are one of those clubs that really do need to learn how to to successfully negotiate a transfer window because another has gone by where they haven't. Huge holes in the team, Champions League failure, and you know, season completely petering out. Like like we haven't really seen before. You know, I really don't think a you know a PSG team under Laurent Blanc would be like this. We've seen them take their foot off the gas before, but that's once the title has been, you know, confirmed. You know, you want that ruthless edge to remain. And too many of these players have just switched off completely. Um that that I think it's 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 borderline unforgivable really. Yeah, and just to sort of put a, a, a statement on this as well for, for for a positive and a negative and I'll start with the the poor one at least. <laughs> Just thinking as we were speaking there, gents, that I can't think of a worse signer in any 
big club this season than Tilo Kera. Um, I can't think of a good game he's had, really, in all honesty, for Paris Saint-Germain. I know that's a little bit harsh. And there were some doubts about him when they was bought from from Schalke, whether he could make the step up and whether he's played left-back or right-back or centre-back. It, it always seems to be a mistake in him. There was a mistake for not second goal, um, giving the ball away before eventually getting crossed in for Magic Warriors to stick away. He's, just, he's had some awful games, really, for them. And uh, if they were looking to try and add more centre-back depth, it doesn't look like he's necessarily the player to, to give it in. But in the positive sense, let's let's give a little bit of a note to Metahan Guluku, who came on... Um, Came on in the in the second half for them about 74 minutes and grabbed his first senior goal, uh, a youth product through the PSG system. Um, as they are really great to do. I mean, they have got quite a good youth system to say that they don't use too many of them all the time. Although they've had to necessarily use them at the, at the moment, and and great for him to get a goal and hopefully maybe a, a loan move for him in the in the summer if he if he can play a couple more games when they do win the title at least to to give him some confidence. But very quickly on Nantes at least, Adam, it, it, it just about puts them safe really that three points. They're on thirty seven, while Gam Gomper on twenty four, so they do have a thirteen point gap with those six games to go. So it's almost secure. It's not mathematically yet, but you, you can't really see them overhauling them. And more than anything, it's it's great for them to have these two results in what has been a, a pretty nightmarish 2019 for them in, in more ways than one. Absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> I think it's... Uh, it's, it's it, it sort of... It's deserved, isn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they've got over the... the um... The, the, the sort of threshold and, and looks like they'll they'll be they'll be in league and again next next season um, and yeah the, the two results this week uh, would have been a, a, a big boost given their their disastrous year on on many fronts so uh, good they're a big club that they they should be in league and you know they've, they've won they've won the league they're up there in the top three or four um, sort of in terms of championships one uh, they've been talking about building a new stadium this season. Uh, and they're a club, a club of, of great sort of history and, and tradition in, in France, and it, it would be it'd be great to see them, you know, regroup over the summer and, and really push forward next season. Yeah, great to see Diego Carlos grab a, a brace as well. Mm. But it's 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 certainly one of those moments where Lecaneri, maybe a bit similar to Fiorentina last season, just want to get to that that finishing line and then um, move on for next season and a fresh start. Yeah. Will, will probably do them the world of good. Uh, on to things happening in Ligue 1 this weekend because it's another fantastic weekend for those at the top and the bottom of the league. And we're going to predominantly look at the sort of top um, teams because there's, there's a fair few movers and shakers at the moment because starting with um, a, a game that we're going to see pretty early on on Friday night between Lyon and Angers and, and Rich, Lyon had a pretty dreadful result after what had been a pretty awful week, really, for them in, in, over the last uh, well, week and a half, you can even say, really. I mean, since the defeat to, to your side, Ren, in the Cup, um, they lost to Dijon in, in one of the surprise results of the season, and then they followed that up the next weekend with a defeat to Norton. And Genesio's going out the door, there's rumours of, of players ready to leave and players disobeying the manager in multiple times. Uh, it's been an awful April, really, and it's it doesn't get much easier with an Andre side that can be a little bit sticky. And and for Leon, I mean, if they don't keep pulling up results, especially with Lille to come in the next couple of weeks, they could be finding Lever and, and Saint Etienne right back on the top of the heel. So they need to get a result in this one. Uh, they really do. Um, I think one thing that might sort of potentially work in their favour is now there's a list, at least a little bit of certainty with the Genesio situation. Um, obviously, following his announcement, 
we we had the likes of Anthony Lopez, we had the likes of Nabil Fekir coming out to the press to say, you know, these positive things about Genesio that, you know, he's 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 obviously had to think about this. It's not a t- you know not an easy situation. We have to respect his decision. Uh, I think Anthony Lopez spoke of of of, of a, re- uh, a feeling of regret in the team that they. They feel like they, you know, they are they are responsible, which is good because ultimately they are, and and I think that squad has to has to um, you know take into account that level of accountability that you know for all Genesio's faults, of which I don't think he has as many as people perhaps make out, the players really did let let him down on the pitch. You know those three results stemming back to that that Coupe de France semi final defeat were were dire. And there's very little I think Genesio could have done. If he'd had his time again, I don't think he'd necessarily tactically, positionally, um, you know, personnel-wise do much different. Those players really, really did let him down. So I think what we're looking for now um, from Leon is is there is that certainty now. We know Genesio will be stepping down well, accounts the end of the season. We there is the possibility, of course, with a with another defeat, whether he he walks away earlier. Um, certainly, in the in the press conference today, there was just something a little bit different about him. Well, it was perhaps a sense of relief that okay, I didn't really want to walk away from it. He clearly loves the club. Um, you know, he's 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 been through it all with the club. Um, and it, it probably is a very sad decision, and it's very unfortunate for him that it came to that situation. But underlying all of that, I'd imagine, is that sense of relief because he's had so many people on his back for so long, it's felt, that maybe, you know, he can he can relax and hopefully maybe that, that pressure um, slightly being eased on him can reflect in the team as well. Um, you know, you would hope that they'd be looking for a reaction for Genesio. You would hope that, maybe some players more than others. And as I say, maybe they can, you know, they're not going to be feeling as tense. They're not going to be feeling as under pressure with, um, you know, with with them maybe fearful that, you know, oh, there's another performance going to cost us the manager. That that situation now is pretty clear. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll come on to team I'm about to mention shortly, but, you know, Saint-Étienne are in terrific form of late and and they really do have Leon in their sights. Um, they're only three points behind now. For you know, for so long, it seemed as though that top three were destined to be the top three. All of a sudden now, you know, it's it's one more bad performance from Leon and Saint-Étienne are in third position. So to not finish in that top three would be an, uh, pretty much an unmitigated disaster for Leon. You know, for everything that the club you know, wants to do, that Olas wants to achieve with 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 Lyon in terms of taking them forward and and bringing success back, to not finish in that Champions League spot, um, albeit a qualifying spot, would be a disaster. That puts you know a lot of summer plans in 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 peril. We know that we're going to be seeing you know a number of key players leaving Lyon. Um, it's looking almost certain that that's going to be in Dombele. Um, whether that then is also followed by someone like Fakir, maybe someone like Depay, uh, maybe it's you know maybe it's other key players. But Olas needs that team to be finishing third because that team 
needs to bring in quality in the summer. And of course, we know no Champions League means the level of quality you can look to bring in has to drop down a level or two. So it's 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 a big, big game for Leon. This is because, you know, if results, you know, work out as they could, you know, Leon could finish this weekend in fourth spot. Um, and all of a sudden there's that psychological blow now of all of a sudden they're the ones that are going to have to do the chasing. Um, so it's it's a really big game, I think, this for Leon. Yeah, it really is. And, and going on to the team they're, they're facing, Adam, because Angers have, have been in, in decent form recently, really. They've, they've only lost once, and that was back in February to Gengon. But before then, they had three wins. They've had a succession of draws, really. Five draws in a row before they win against Connor the Weekend. Not without their goals. I mean, three two twos and a 3-3 in that run as well. Chose against her size like Marseille and Rennes and, and Monaco as well. Um, and Montpellier just shows that they they have really the firepower to trouble bigger teams and do tend to um, play up to themselves. And they've got, uh, I bet they're glad they're not in a relegation fight because they've got a bit of a gauntlet to, to finish the season, really. And it starts with this Lyon game. But Angers are a side that much, many times this season, we've sort of seen them them rise to the occasion against a, a tricky side and, and give them a game of it. Is it going to be much of the same at Park Well at the, at the weekend? Yeah, I really think it is. I think you, you you sort of touched on it a little bit there. Angers tend to play to sort of their opponent's level a little bit. Like <clears throat> the defeats they do seem to pick up, the actual defeats, they draw so many games. But the defeats they do pick up are ten, tend to be sort of to lesser teams. I remember last season they were the first side that lost to Mets. Um, and this season they've had some similar similar results. You know, they go to places like the Velodrome and they, they battle their way to a draw. And I think it's a credit to Anat to Mulan, first of all, obviously, he's such an underrated coach, such an unfashionable coach, but he does an amazing job every every year they've been in the division. Um, and it's continued this year. And arguably, this is since the season they, they came up, this has probably been their best year, um, which is what their fourth season in league, and I think now. Um, and they've, they, in terms of their, they've been comfortable from relegation for the whole year. And there's been some real standout performances. There's a, there's a, there's a, a group of four or five players that can be extremely proud of their well the whole team can but in particular there's a few players that be really proud of their their seasons i'm looking at like flavian and tate who's been absolutely fantastic and you talk i you know la liga watches talk about sort of uh messi being um the most crucial player to his team and then sort of beyond him maybe iago aspas is probably the most crucial player for his individual team at celta vigo and i think flavian tate is ligan's iago aspas in that he is so, so good for Angers and a team that are low on mid-table, you know, perhaps don't have that much creativity. He creates so much. He's very, very good on the ball. Great in wide areas, great through the middle. And he's had an absolutely unbelievable season. And he goes under the radar a little bit, but he's been absolutely fantastic for them this year. And another one that stands out for me is Baptiste Santa Maria, who's just consistent. I'm looking at looking at his, his season now. The only game he hasn't started in every competition this season was the very first game of the season, which they lost at home to Nîmes, that 4-3. He started every single game since um, and very, very rarely comes off. He has to be injured for him to get him off the pitch and protects that book back four brilliantly, um, uses the ball intelligently. He's got... got He's very mobile and you know, he's one of those players you never get less than six or seven out of ten a week from him. And, and he's been absolutely fantastic this year. So um, I think maybe sizing the top half, top six should really be looking at those those two players as, as players that one are proven in this league and the two could have the quality to slot in in, in a number of the sides in the top eight. Um, so it'd be interesting to see whether someone's, I imagine that, you know, there have been that their performance have been picked up on, but interesting to see if they stay at Angers over the, over the, over the summer or not. 
Yeah, and it's good to see, like you say, Jeff and Adelaide kept picking his feet up in the last couple of weeks, getting some goals, but they'll be thankful. They've got a good space between the, the bottom and them, and they're going to be comfortable with the table, but they're, they're running for the end of the season for their fans. It's Leon away at home to Reims, away to Bordeaux, at home to Paris Saint-Germain, away to Lille, and at home to Saint-Étienne. That's a, that is some gauntlet, really, to be fair, to be running the end of the season, but they'll be glad they've got plenty of breathing space. And on to predictions, I'll, I'll start with yourself on this one, Adam. What do you think the score will be? Um, I think I think 2-1 Angers Rich uh, I will go the reverse I'll go 2-1 Lyon and I'll diddle in the middle with a 2-2 draw I think that's a Angers special of the of recent time so um, I, I think it's definitely going to be an entertaining one certainly one to, to watch on Friday night with you just after your dinner um, on to Saturday's games and one that involves sort of both sides of the table really is, as Gengon will be hosting Marseille and it's an interesting one for Gangomp really Rich because the games are running out really for them they need to start picking results up somewhere especially with Cons double header against Dijon and and Gangomp coming up the week after this one and against the Marseille side that have maybe been a little bit underwhelming in the last few weeks sort of fallen off the wagon despite that that win last week against Nîmes it's certainly one that they think they can pick up points in and they excuse me, have been slowly building up a little bit of form. I mean, they were really unlucky against Monaco two weeks ago where they conceded in the, in the last moment, although there was plenty of pressure. And they give a right game against Strasbourg with that 3-3 draw last weekend. But if there's anything to think of this, you've got to try and command your home games. And even if it is Marseille with a form in, they, they've got to really go for this one. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, their, their home form actually has been has been really good of late. You know, you go have you have to go back to, to, to early February to the last time they lost at home. Um, you know, that, that home form has been key to them rescuing their season. You know, turn of the year into January, we all thought they're they're nailed on to be relegated. Um, they rediscovered, you know, they got a, they got a couple of points, got a couple of wins, the confidence came back. They've put together this decent run of of home form. Um, and they do seem to, to to play pretty well against those bigger teams at home. Um, you know, they have. I mean, Marseille are a, a perfect case in point. They've they've had some recent success uh, at home to Marseille. Um, so they they know what needs to be done. Um, ultimately, um, I, I did fear for them after that Monaco game, where they were so close to getting what would have been a really big three points. Only to have um, only to, to succumb to a, a real last minute goal, a last minute equaliser for Monaco. So I feared was that the goal that that just knocked that confidence back down after it had had been built up. I, you know, I know they they'd lost the week before, but that home form, that that belief that you know teams that come to the Ruderu are going to face a a tough game and that Gangomp stand a very really good chance of going away with you know potentially all three points. So to have lost at such a key time of the season, to have lost the those three points, um, I did feel could have really damaged them. Um, I think it, was, it wasn't the best performance in the world against Strasbourg, but there were glimpses that they haven't given up the fight, that that Monaco uh, late equaliser hasn't um, irreparably damaged their confidence. You know, it was actually Gangon themselves that got the late equaliser 
in that game. So I think they will definitely be looking at this this Marseille game thinking, you know, Marseille is such a hot and cold team. Um, there is the potential for, for for points here. And with it being as close as it is with those with those bottom three teams, you know, even, even a point is going to be a, a huge plus um, because, you know, they, they go into, we look at their games in May, you know, there, there are four games there that they really could win. Um, so, you know, if they can, if they can enter that month of May in a positive frame of mind um, and, you know, it's, it's Marseille at home, it's Nice away. It's, they're not the world's most difficult games. You know, yes, both are still chasing European football, but, you know, they themselves will be fearful of facing Gangon at this time of the season, a team fighting for it to avoid the drop, arguably are the worst team to be playing. So I think I think there's going to be an element of of of, of concern, of a little bit of self-doubt in both. Um, but I just think Gangon's recent home form does give them a bit of an edge here. Yeah, that's the surprising thing, isn't it, really, um, Adam? Because we mentioned a few weeks ago that, well, maybe just sort of the middle of March, at least, anyway, so set your mind back a month, that Marseille had gone on a run of, of six games where they won five of them and, and managed to draw at Rennes, and then uh, Le Classique runs around, they lose that, they they can't manage a, a win when 2-0 up against Angers, they sort of laid a bit of an egg against Bordeaux, and then sort of just about got themselves together for a win against Neiman. It, it, it's maybe just the hope that kills you, really, because they're still within touching distance of Saint-Étienne and, and not a million miles off a, a Leon side that are starting to, to tumble a little bit. So <laughs> as the renewed optimism gives you, especially if there's a good result for them on Friday night, a, a, a game against 19th place should really reinvigor them to, to maybe face the fight because then if that happens and they get a victory, they're only two points off Leon and the, the Champions League races all on again. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> I would argue that perhaps it even already is. The way Leon are playing and the, the sort of the ongoing implosion at Parkerwell at the moment, um, I think that the, the third place is between them, Sinetian and Leon, and it's a pretty much dead heat between the three teams at the moment. Maybe even Sinetian are slight favourites given the momentum of each of the clubs. Um, Marseille have been very lucky. They don't deserve to be anywhere near the Champions League the way that they've played this season. Um, but <clears throat> the way the way that it's worked out, I think that it'll, it it could well come down to that game with Leon. I have a feeling that, excuse me, <clears throat> the way I was I was sort of looking at the, the fixtures and the way they kind of pan out. I think it's week thirty six they play Leon, um, and I have a feeling they're going to be within three points by that point. Snetian in a very similar kind of sphere, and it may just be almost if you disregard Sinetian for now, maybe something of a playoff to see who finishes above uh, or the highest of those of those two sides. So um, they, they fought their way back in and all, the only sort of caveat to, 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 to what I'm to what I'm saying, and you kind of touched on it a little bit there, that yes, those results where it has sort of a, a number of wins in, in, in a row and, and, and they picked up when Balotelli originally arrived and the younger players were, were sort of given a bit more trust like Kamara and, and Lopez and, and Dujay Ketachar that although the results improved, performances barely did. They were they were winning, but they, you know they weren't really playing much better. And that kind of thing, you know, doesn't last long. 
And it almost feels like that as soon as Balotelli dropped out of the team a couple of games ago, so when they lost to Bordeaux and they were abject in that game, didn't start suffering of injury, had to go off after half an hour against Nîmes as well, and they weren't great against Nîmes either, uh, that he, he might be the catalyst and it might be keeping him fit, might be the difference between finishing third and not. Um, that obviously depends on how Leon do and, and whether Snetting can maintain their form. But I've, I think that that Leon Marseille game, as it was last year, the 3-2, uh, that you know was a, that was an absolutely fantastic game at the Velodrome, fantastic um, ending as well. That Depay late header to win it for Leon, um, it might come down to that. And um, if Marseille somehow managed to to happen upon a Champions League spot, given the way that Leon's season is going, <laughs> they would have been extremely lucky indeed. But it's still there to play for. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we also say that Leon still have that game against Lille the weekend before as well, which uh, just means they've got sort of a, a crazy double header. And then you think that Marseille leading up to that Leon game have got Gangon and then two sides that really don't have anything to play for in Nantes and, and Strasbourg have already qualified for, for Europe. And then after the Leon game, they have Toulouse and Montpellier. There's certainly points to be picked up there if they're in the, the right position to do so. And they've got to be thinking that of all questions out of all the times where we pretty much after that Bordeaux game you ruled them out and then it came later they're already back in it again if uh, if results start going their way again which is absolutely insane it just shows exactly what league has been like this season really let's get predictions again on this one then uh, start with yourself Rich what do you think the score will be uh, I will go uh, two all draw Adam I know 3-2 Marseille there was an absolutely mental game at Gangon. I think at the end of maybe the season before last, we finished 4-2. We might get, a, hopefully we'll get a similar thing here. Yeah, I, I'm feeling a 3-1 for, for Marseille on this one. I'm just not completely convinced that um, Gangon have got things out of their system, really. They, they've been better in the last couple of weeks, but some of those late results are just, can be a little bit of hammer blows to confidence of a team that's trying to fight out of the way. And onto a really interesting game, really, Sunday afternoon. Between two sides that are still fighting for Europe, there's still plenty of competitiveness both in left in them both, of, with fifth being an option for them, and that's Saint Etienne and Ras. And uh, going for the away side first, Rich, it's been an excellent couple of weeks really for them, given that not just because uh, Leon have been giving away some results, but they've been picking up some themselves as well. Lever, they've, they've uh, won three of their last four. They'll be a bit disappointed they couldn't win that game against Damien um, a couple of weeks ago that would have really put the cat amongst the pigeons but a really convincing 3-0 win against a, a Bordeaux side that's still maybe a bit unsure of themselves but um, given their recent results especially when we mentioned that they've been a bit indifferent since that Derby defeat they've started picking up again and have given themselves a real chance of not just European football but Champions League football even yeah, they really have played themselves back into contention. It, it, it looked like at the start of March when they had those consecutive um, losses to Marseille and, and Lille, was that just a, a sign that maybe that was the season over, but they regrouped, um, put in an outstanding performance away at Caen um, and have, have really been on a, a big role. As you say, they, they would be a little disappointed not to have taken all three points away at Amiens, but you know, the performances that we have seen of late have been, you know, have been exciting, have been full of goals, um, have been really, really positive. Um, and I think what has been really good to see from a Saint-Étienne point of view is really those goals coming from all around. You know, there was a danger at the start of the season. I felt that that maybe Wabi Kasri would be relied upon. And I think in the early stages that 
certainly felt the case that he was going to be heavily relied upon for goals. And yes, he is still scoring, but he's getting support now. You know, Roma Hamuma's back. We've got Remy Cabela back. Defenders helping out. You know, we had Debushi getting a double against uh, at Bordeaux last weekend. Um, so it's 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 good. You know, it's a good time to be a, a Saint-Étienne fan. You know, they they really are the you know, they they are for the form team in that race for Europe, really. Um, and you know, you would say between now and the end of the season, um, you know. You'd, you'd be a brave man not to bet on Saint-Étienne. I mean, I, I certainly think that they've, there's enough there now that they'll finish top four. And again, I'd be very, very tempted to to, to have them as, as ever so slight favourites at the moment to nab that third spot, uh, which would be an absolutely fantastic return. You know, Lille have taken, understandably, I think, Lille have taken a lot of plaudits for the way that they have played this season to to get themselves what look now what looks now to be a, a pretty much guaranteed second place. But I think what um what Gasset has got out of Saint Etienne has been almost an if not equal at times in terms of uh, in how impressive that's been. And if he could get that third spot, you know that that really is a fantastic performance because it's a really good team without there being any sort of stellar superstar names you know Kazri of course you know he had a really good season with Ren um Saint-Étienne pounced to sign him uh, over the summer yeah okay maybe he's a bit of a draw but you know there's there's not a huge amount of as I say sort of superstar names it's just a really solid team that that Gasset has got playing in a style that he wants them to play in which is the world apart from the style that we have seen um you know from previous seasons um, and it's really, you know, it's really paying dividends. Um, as I say, I, I genuinely think um, third place is is really within their grasp. So I think you look at the the run in that Saint Etienne have got. You know, there's a lot of teams that they're playing there that probably by the time they're playing them won't really have anything to play for particularly. Um, you know, the teams you were looking at the likes of Toulouse, Monaco, Montpellier, Nice, Angers. Montpellier and Nice, yeah, they're still technically in the race for Europe, but they're the the third and and, and second to, to last games. They could well be out of the picture by then. It's a nice run-in for Saint-Étienne. You know, you look at the form that they are in, that is a nice run-in. Um, so I genuinely think this team has a really, really, really strong chance of finishing in third place. Yeah, it's just hoping they can keep some of that momentum going, isn't it? Keep the the goals flowing. And it's an interesting one, really, them facing Rance, because you might have said a few weeks ago that this is going to be an incredibly tough one on a, a team that can now score goals as well as keep them out. But you look at their recent results, and it's only one win in their last six, and you think draws to Amiens and, and Dijon. Uh, they beat Nantes but lost heavily to Strasbourg. A draw against Leo's nothing to shake a stick at, but the, the Monaco game was a bit drab last weekend really have they come off a little bit of the boil recently adam have they maybe settled into the fact that they've got that mid-table place and have, have sort of cooled their jets on their chase for europe yeah just just before i answer that question just to clarify something i said earlier the gang on marseille game i think it was three all and it was the end of last season I'm, I'm, i got it slightly wrong but uh anyway uh yes rons i yeah i perhaps i, I think there's an interesting issue with balance at, at rons because you, we talked about it previously, and and I've always seen him as an extremely well drilled and organised and very balanced team. 
Um, and then Arbuzelli came in over the over the over the winter, and added a lot to the team in a short space of time. Um, sort of a classic sort of inside forward, you know, scores scores goals, creates goals, pacey, runs at people, creative. Perhaps doesn't do much defensively. And with him in the team, they for, there was sort of an explosion of, of of goals and and creativity. But perhaps other teams started to figure out there was there was a little bit of space, a little bit more space that they hadn't given up before, uh, and that they could be they could be exposed in areas that they hadn't been previously. You know, they've drawn more games than anybody else in the league this season. I think they've got 15. Yeah, they've drawn 15 of 32 games. Um, only lost six, which only PSG have lost fewer. Um, and and then that was sort of the the sort of the way they went about their business earlier in the season that they perhaps, especially away from home, they weren't overly bothered about about you know looking for a win. They they their sort of start their sort of default position was you're not going to beat us. Um, and and that's kind of been the case. Um, for, for much of the year, but that relied on them being so so organised and 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 the, the the wider players in attack doing more defensive responsibility and midfield being very sort of interchangeable and mobile and and, and organised. Um, I think you know uh, Matthew Caffro was fantastic in that position. Tristan dingon has been fantastic since he got off injury in that sort of attacking midfield role to aid Chevalier and 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 Ramau in, in in midfield. Um, but perhaps recently they've become a little bit top heavy and they've got a lot of options in that, which is a crazy thing to say, considering that they're seen as one of the most defensive teams, but they've got so many options in that attacking area. You know, Boulay D has come in and done really well. I think an exciting, relatively young player at 22, taking over up front from Pablo Chavaria. Um, but they've got Remy Udan, who's a top goal scorer. They've got, he's got a lot of goals in, in 2019. Caffaro, who I mentioned, Zanelli, Dingon. Um, I think Musa Dumbi is a really good player. So it's almost like they that Guion has got, uh, for for a club like Rams, a bit of an embarrassment of riches, and, and he's trying to sort of find the best formation again, to find the best uh, formula again, to make that team as as solid and as balanced as it was in in the first two thirds of the season, which probably maybe got a little upset by by Zanelli, which means they're a little bit there's a bit more uh, sort of entropy in in, in games that that, uh, that that they've been involved in of late. So, yeah, I think they have dropped off in in, in performances, but. I think they've got a lot of talent, and I think that they they've got a really in, intelligent and and wily coach, and that this is a, maybe just a little blip, or maybe just them receding into their their the way they know how to get points from from games and being a little bit more defensive. And you know, Zanelli didn't start last week, and that they, they perhaps went back to that Caffaro uh, being more sort of a more a little bit more defensive and a little bit more astute, perhaps going backwards. Um, so yeah, so maybe they're just sort of figuring things out a little bit again, but I still think that they're, they're going to be extremely difficult to beat for the rest of the year, and uh, that you know they can they can expect to, to to be right in there till the end. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting one to see how this one over the weekend goes. Uh, on to sort of predictions on this one, and I, I just feel like it's going to be a one-one draw. Rans are a team that you just struggle to come against, but they're not quite firing on the cylinders they were early this season. Adam, what do you think the score will be? I'm going to say nil-nil, unfortunately. Rich? Um, I think Saint-Étienne will nab this. Um, I think it will be a close game. So I do see both teams scoring, so I will go uh, 2-1 Saint-Étienne. It's going to be a really interesting game, that one, whether it's high drama or high scoring is yet to be seen, but it's certainly going to be a tactical affair on that one. Uh, on to the final game of the weekend in what would usually be a massive fixture, but has changed completely this season as Paris Saint-Germain hosts Monaco for the for what they hope, at least, anyway, will be their coronation. But focusing on 
the away side first, Rich, because we've spoken about PSG a fair amount already. Monaco have had a bit of a funny run, really. We thought that they were, well, that while they're not mathematically safe, they're still a good eight points along the, the automatic relegation dotted line. But they've had a run of games against teams that they should have been beating. And it's sort of gone a bit funny. March was draw against Angers where they were 2-0 down and had to come from behind. They sort of meandered to a, a draw against Bordeaux. Yes, they beat Lille away from home, but that was sort of a, a definition of a smash and grab and then followed that up with a defeat to Con, which was a smash and grab the other way around. Um, they couldn't get another goal, but well, it took them forever to get the goal that equalised them against Gangomp. And then the Ras game was, was pretty much a, a dead rubber, really. It was a pretty... Um, uninteresting affair but despite the sort of hype of, of Jardim coming back in the the emphasis on, on, on improvement and the the especially the performances of likes of Gelson Martins pushing them forward it, it's completely sort of turned around in March April where they've sort of reverted back to type and are sort of limping back over the the finish line it, do you fear that in a game against the side with the PSG even though they do have some injuries still that um they could really be really feeling a, the um, the power of, of what's happened to them recently and the, the performances have not been good enough and they, they could get a bit of a walloping? Yeah, I could see it going one of two ways. It's either, it's either that way, as you say. Um, you know, They're not in the best of form. Uh, they're not in particularly uh, exciting form. Um, maybe they think, okay, at least we're safe. Let's just cruise to the end of the season, then reassess in the summer. Maybe that's their frame of mind. Um, perhaps a little bit dangerous to play that game um, with with uh, with six games still left to play. Um, but alternatively, I think on the on the flip side, I could see this as as Jardine getting it through to his squad. Look, you've got you've had a terrible season. <laughs> There's no 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 two ways about it. You've had a terrible season. Looking at the fixtures left, you know, this is, you know, jumps out really as the big game um, for the for the rest of their season. Let's let's treat it as such. You know, let's really show that, okay, we've had a bad season, but this was a blip. This was a one-off. We will be back strong next season. Let's really do that. You know, PSG and will will not be at their strongest, both in terms of personnel, but also in in a in, in a mental way as well, because of yeah, their their recent performances. So if ever you know Monaco are going to get that that you know get a get a a win at at, uh, at PSG, this is the time to do it. Um, you know, there's 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 a real opportunity here. So it's it is was one of two ways. Um, I fear it's probably going to be the former rather than the latter. Um, I think maybe we'll see a a bit of an an, an angry side to PSG to to put those uh, last three games of frustration behind them. Um, but I think for, for Jardim, maybe he says to the players, look, you know, if you're not happy here, here's your shot window. This will be the big game that's watched. Um, or one of the big games that's watched around Europe this weekend. It, it always will be. <coughs> um, there's your shot window. Put in a performance. If you're not happy, you know, we've, we, you know, we will look to to ship you on. Here's your shot window. Here's your chance to to show off what it is uh, you can do. Equally, of course, he'll be desperate for the the players to put in a performance to help any incoming or potential incoming players for the summer to realise. Oh, actually, you know what? This was just a, a one-off bad season. Actually, the bare bones are still there. 
there is quality there. I won't be joining a team that's going to be facing another relegation scrap next season. So there's a there's a lot riding on this game, I think, for Monaco, more than we might really have, have initially thought. Um, so, it, it, as I say, it's going to go one of two ways. You know, we're going to see a, either a, a really heavy, heavy Monaco defeat uh, or we're going to see a, a Monaco performance that it's not going to hit, you know, their form of, of a couple of seasons ago, but at least a reminder that they know how to put in a good performance when it really matters. And as for PSG, I know we spoke about them at, at length, Adam, but as I mentioned in the news, it looks like Neymar is at least reported to be potentially involved with that game against Monaco. It's been a little while since we've seen the the, uh, the mercurial Brazilian back in the squad, but he should be just about the right kind of lift to, to get them with that for that at least that point to get them over the line. Yeah, yeah, you would imagine if if, if he is back then, then that might be sort of it for Monaco because um, he's been he's been training for for some weeks and and Tuck has been saying that he doesn't feel any pain in his foot so it looks like he and, it, and all that is sort of added to the fact that Tuck likes to be cautious with with injuries you know it, I think Di Maria could have played this week to be honest with you that he's been training for quite a while um, um, and, and perhaps as an example of him just being ultra careful with Neymar so you would imagine Neymar would be not fully fit but because he's been out for so long but he, he, he wouldn't be affected too much by his injury. So yeah, if, if he does start, I think there's a there's a there's a big win for PSG potentially. I I, I have a feeling that Monaco though they might get something from this game, but the fact that it's at the part of France, <clears throat> you know, and there might be few of those players back in that we just talked about would be is a bit of a caveat. One thing I did want to mention that occurred to me after we talked earlier is that just on Thomas Tuchel, and when he when he was at Dortmund, you know, he butted heads with with people above him at the club and that and that kind of. Um, coloured his his time there quite significantly towards the end, and, and when he left, it was left it was under a little bit of a cloud. I'm just wondering if there's something of of that happening here. The way that he's so sort of overtly going after the powers that be in 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 press conferences, saying he hasn't got the players, continually complaining about not being ha- allowed to play Adrian Rabiot. Um, I, I just wonder whether he's he's sort of lost sight of of uh, of of their objectives to some extent and and that he's he's almost got a bit of a, a i don't want to say a vendetta but he's got a bit of a, a chip on his shoulder about the hot the squad and the fact that it isn't as big as he wants it to be and it's not that he hasn't got the players that he wanted and he hasn't got the numbers that he wanted the, the whole mbappe situation in the week there was a lot of conjecture over whether he was injured or whether he was punished for for his, his comments in the press i have a feeling it's the, the, the latter but I'm surprised that he was left out entirely given the situation. It's almost like it was a little bit of an excuse to to, to perhaps accentuate the fact that that they that they they were low on resources and low on players outside the, the first to 12, 15 players. With him starting, perhaps they, they get something from the non-game or they win it because he's he's honestly been brilliant since the United game. I think he's really looked like he's had a point to prove. And all right, they lost 5-1 at, at Leo with him in the team, but his assist for burnout was still ridiculous. And he was still uh, still a threat throughout. I thought, so maybe there's maybe there's something in that to say that he's took was lost sight of 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 his team a little bit, and he's got into like a political argument when he really didn't need to, and that's that's happened before, and and there's a danger, you know, of that happening again here. So I think it's just an interesting story to see how it develops for the rest of the year, whether he continues to complain about this and be pretty belligerent about it, 
and see how it progresses over the summer and whether he doesn't get the targets that he wants in the transfer window. Because obviously we discussed earlier, PSG are very capable of messing up a transfer window. So it'd be interesting to see how that happens at the start of next season. But just something to keep an eye on because it's got a bit, it's gone on for far too long for me. Yeah, and while PSG have obviously had to fill their bench with some academy players, no club ha- well, no club in their position at least doesn't have another yeah. 50, 60 players in the background to fill the two spots on the bench. So exactly. uh, a kind of statement, at least anyway, from Tuchel, who's uh, mm-hmm. cranking up the heat on people, which, you know, uh, the positive, I suppose, at least for us uh, observers, is that we've not really seen it under Nasser El Halifi. Someone have the, the gusto to sort of formally challenge them in that kind of way. It's sort of the, the Laurent Blancs and the Unai Emery's of the world sort of bent to their will instead. So it'd be interesting to see how they react to it. Well, it's a little bit of a challenge laid down for them this summer to, to certainly try and improve this squad. But on to this game, at least predictions-wise, I'll start with you on this one, Adam. What do you think the score will be? I'm going to stick with a Monaco point. I'm going to say two all. Rich? Um, I said it could go one of two ways. And I did say I feared it would go um, a, a big PSG win. I think they'll get the job done. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be stick my neck out here. I'm going to go 4-1 PSG. I'm going to go 3-0 PSG. It's a classic. Paris Saint-Germain love playing Monaco from <laughs> recent memory, at least anyway. And uh, um, they really do sort of turn on and sort of the antithesis of what Monaco really want when they, they play games. And they always tend to get a decent score, don't they? So, uh, And with Monaco sort of fumbling in the last couple of weeks, it just it sort of sets themselves PSG firmly nicely to get a bit of an emphatic way of, of actually finally putting their ghost to bed and maybe give some of these young players an actual game now everyone's injured and uh, and give them the rest of the season to, to try out at least. Uh, that's all that we have for this week. My thanks to Adam, Rich and all of you listening at home. Uh, join us for the main show on Monday. But for now, enjoy your weekend of football.